First, I want to thank Pastor Ryan for allowing me to, to um, stand up here and, and, and share from my heart. I hope from my heart. And, and um, you know, it's, it's an it's a honor, a privilege. It's, it's probably a privilege, all of those things, to, to be able to do this. I don't take it for granted. Uh, I'm thankful that I have the opportunity to do it. Thank you, Pastor Ryan, for trusting me up here. Um, you can clean it up next week. <laughs> you might have to clean it up this week, <laughs> but I hope not. Anyhow, I hear a little bit of a echo or something going on. Isn't there an echo or something? Ring, yeah. yeah. Is there still a ring? Anyhow, my, um, my firstborn and Christopher... We had him at, he went to Village Christian, I think, for a year, and I think your mom was his teacher. And she, she, had, she did horrible things to Andrew. I took Christopher, you dressed him up as a girl one time. <laughs> <laughs> he was a good looking girl, too. Wasn't <laughs> but anyhow, the reason I bring up Chris is because he wanted to play sports. My, my sons are very coordinated and could be athletic, but they're not. I think it's about the first grade. I think your mom taught first grade. Was it first grade or kindergarten? So anyhow, he wanted to play a baseball game. He wanted to be on the baseball thing. He didn't know anything about baseball. So he had a t-ball out there. And, and um, so I'm, he goes, Dad, I just want to play. I want to play. I said, okay, you can play just going out in the field and, and um, do your thing. Pay attention. He didn't pay that much attention. He, he's out in center field and... and um, this kid that he knows at school will walk by and, and his toy starts, he's like, eh, yeah, you know, this and that, and the ball rolls right past him and things like that. So he goes, Dad, I want to be in the infield. I want to play first base. And I go, Chris, you don't know how to play baseball. You don't know how to play first base. He goes, I can do this. I can do this. I said, so, okay, so when you get, when the ball is hit, go and cover first base. So the ball got hit. I watched the ball, and I looked over there, and Chris had gone over, and he had laid on first base. He took it literally. Because that's what children do. They take things literally. Which I laughed. Everybody laughed. At the same time, we were like, but he took it literally. So I'll get to that a little bit later. So last time I spoke here, I spoke um, Jesus being the best physician ever. And it was, it was about Bartimus, which Bartimus means son of Timaeus. So nobody really knows his name other than he was the son of Timaeus. And I talked about it. That, the last time I talked about it was about the robe that he had on. And robes are very unique, or cloaks, the cloak, it was, more, it was called a cloak. Cloaks are very unique. They're very special in Scripture. If you go read about them in the Old Testament, they'll tell you how, what the importance that God had on cloaks. They're very important. So I'll let, I'll let you read about it. It's very fascinating. But today I want to talk to you about the crowd that gathered around. Because Jesus healed the blind man, Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus gave up his cloak. You find it in chapter 10 of the book of Mark, but there's also a, uh, a recording of it in, I believe, Matthew and I want to say Luke, but I'm not sure. It's one of the two, three of the Gospels record the story of Bart Bartimaeus son of Timaeus. But I begin to think about who was telling Bartimaeus to be quiet. 
and why or was the, were they telling him to be quiet? You could ask the question, was it Jesus who told him to be quiet? The answer would be no. Was it Jesus' disciples that told him to be quiet? The answer again would be probably no. They were walking with Jesus. Was it the Pharisees that told him to be quiet? Possibility. They might not have liked what he was saying as far as what he was saying. But was it the crowd of people that he hung out with? And by the crowd of people, I know there was a crowd of people walking with Jesus. But there was also, and I'm not sure how factually true this is. I'm not making it up either. I just, <laughs> that, was, that was not the right way to say that. Um, but there was two, in some, of the, in some of the recordings of the gospel, there were two guys that Jesus healed at that time. But this one only mentions one, Bartimaeus. So there were probably other people. I would, I would think the lame, the blind, the sick, and those those people who, who people thought if you were that way, it's because you were, you were a sinner and, you, and, that's, and you, that was your punishment for being a sinner. I don't know how you become a sinner out of the womb, but that's a theological debate. But anyhow, um, what about the crowd? Because the crowd could have been anybody. But there was a crowd there, and I think there was a crowd with Bartimaeus. And I I think part of that crowd could have been the other lame and the other sick, the other blind, the other deaf, those people who, who were along with him, beggars, because they, had to, they probably didn't want to beg, but they had to beg for food because of their situation. But I, last time I talked about when Bartimaeus, who could not see but he could hear, said, who is that? Who is that walking by? And they said, it's Jesus. And Bartimaeus makes an interesting statement. He says, son of David. That's what he calls him. Son of David, have mercy on me. And they said, shut up. Be quiet. I rebuke you. You know, all of those things that you would say to somebody if they were getting on your nerves or whatever. Or maybe you, they were scared. he was scaring them because he was, he was doing something that you... To call someone the son of David is kind of, you shouldn't be doing it because it's, that has these very special implications on it. But the more they told him to be quiet, the louder he got. Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. Question or thought. Didn't Jesus walk right past him? He did, right? Jesus walked right past this blind man and probably a group of people who were sick. You'll see other places where Jesus does this. But the thing is, if you don't open your mouth to ask Jesus to do something, he's probably not going to do it. Every once in a while, he'll do something because of the plan of God the Father. But for the most part, if you don't open up your mouth, he's not going to do very much for you. It's part of the plan. Scripture says that I think is in, in Psalms, I want to say Psalms 78, 79. Open up your mouth wide and I will fill it. But if you don't open up, you can't get nothing in it. The lame, the blind, the crippled, the diseased, they are probably all beggars. Were they telling him to be quiet? And why were they? 
Was it fear? Possibly. They could have been afraid. Was Jesus too busy, too tired to um, be bothered with him that day? Probably not. It was in the morning. They were on their way from Jericho, I believe, to Jerusalem. So it probably wasn't that Jesus was tired and didn't want to hear it. Jesus is never tired or too tired to not want to hear us cry out to him. We also have some kind of need, but are often too afraid to open wide our mouths so that he can fill it. Because we're afraid somebody else might know we have a need. So this is a challenge to you. Hold your hand up if you don't have a need. Pat doesn't have a need. No, if you don't have a need, not if you do have a need. If I said hold up your hand if you have a need. Hold up your hand if you have a need. It's honest. It's being honest. Jesus already knows you have a need. Even the people that don't hold up their hands, guess what? You, gotta, you have some kind of need. You could, you, could, you could place any kind of need that you wanted. You need to stop being angry. You need to stop being jealous. Pick a need. You need to start being more joyful. You need to be more happy. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. We all have needs. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Jesus didn't come down here and die for good people or people that didn't have a need. He came down here and he died for people who had a need. The father saw the need. He sent his son to take care of the need. But if we don't open up our mouths wide, he can't feed us. He can't give to us the desires that he wants to give to us. He can't do it. He can do it, but he would like for you to open up your mouth. My hips hurt. Jesus, son of David, touch my hips. It's a need there. It's a need there. My ears are plugged. Jesus, son of David, come unplug my ears. My heart hurts. Son of David, come and heal my heart. Why not? Come and do it, Jesus, because here's a need. We all have needs, nothing to be ashamed of. The shame is in trying to hide it. Jesus, heal my bitterness. Jesus, heal my, heal my wounds. Son of David, son of David. Just think if Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, and not open his mouth. Jesus would have kept right on walking. He saw those lame people there. He saw those blind people there. He saw Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. He saw him. And he just kept yelling, I'm not shutting up. I'm not going to shut my mouth. You telling me to be quiet? You need to open your mouth. Just think if everybody there would have said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He would have stopped and he said, mercy on you? You get mercy? You get some mercy? <laughs> you get some mercy? We always make fun of that. You get some mercy and you get some mercy. And he would have just went right through that crowd and he would have gave everybody some mercy. He would have gave it to everybody. But what happened? One person 
out of that crowd had heard about the miracles of Jesus, the power and authority of the Christ. And when he had his opportunity, importune, to dig deep, he said, I'm letting this pass by. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus said, who is that? Bring him over here. Bring him over here. What do you want me to do for you? I want to receive my sight. I think some, some, some say again. So there's, there's this possibility he saw before. I want to receive my sight. The faith wasn't in him asking to receive his sight. I don't know if you realize this. But the faith was in him recognizing that Jesus was the son of David. That's where the faith was at. That he recognized that this is God come to earth. That this was Messiah. That this was the anointed one. That this was the chosen one. That there was nobody like him on the face of the earth. There was nobody else walking around. I heard about Jesus. I didn't see him, but I heard him about him walking on that water. I heard him about him healing another blind man. I heard about him raising the dead. I heard about him putting mud on some dude's eyes and causing him to see. I heard about him telling that guy to stick his, stick his foot in the water. I heard all those things about Jesus, and he's passing by, and you're telling me to be quiet? Not going to happen. I can think of some choice words for him to say, not going to happen. And he yelled. He got louder, and the crowd got indignant. Those people right next to him, probably, that were blind or maybe crippled, kept their mouths shut. How sad. How sad. Don't sit there in these pews, and if you have a hurt, say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. I, it's, it's my belief that Jesus, by the Spirit of God, will walk through this place and touch what needs to be touched. Touch my hips, Jesus. Touch my ears, Jesus. Have mercy on me, son of David, because he's waiting for you to open up your mouth so he can fill it. That was an intro. Don't let Jesus, son of David, walk past you today. So I was um, reading and trying to understand some things in Scripture. You know, one of the bad things about speaking and you get nervous, your hands get sweaty and stuff like that, and you get this little white film on the side. <laughs> Cotton mouth or whatever you want to call it. Believe in Jesus versus believing into Jesus. Little children, when they get, you know, they say, do you want to ask Jesus into your heart? Isn't that pretty much what we ask them when we say that? You want to ask Jesus into your heart? And they say, yeah. And, and, and Jesus comes into their heart. 
they say believe in or believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Where they're actually in, in the times of the disciples and the early Christians and things like that, they, would, they didn't say in. They said believe into, into. Just like Jesus comes into your heart, you're stepping into Jesus' body. You're stepping into his lifestyle. You're stepping into his suffering. You're stepping into his glory. You're stepping into his blessings. You're stepping into in 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 doesn't have to me the significance that into has. So you step into something, you become a part of it. Again, little children ask Jesus into their hearts, and they totally believe that He lives inside of them. They totally Thursday morning, um, my little Malachi is kind of like my grandson. I had the opportunity to baptize him, and he, he gives a little testimony about how much he loved Jesus and stuff like that. He's like eight years old or whatever. And his, this little guy, you wanted to throw him in a dumpster when he was four or five. You know, he's just like, away with such a fellow. He was a pain, he's a pain in the behind. Now, you know, he's got this, this, this vibrancy about him. He just loves Jesus. And it's just, it's amazing to watch his transformation at this little bitty age. He totally is all into Jesus. He's, he's not, a, not a little bit, because kids don't go a little bit. Yeah. Those are part of the reasons why Jesus would say something like, suffer little children to come to me, so such is the kingdom of God. Anybody does anything to these little kids, you mess with these little kids, you, it's better to go and wrap a, a dump truck around your neck and jump into the ocean, because it's bad. You know, you change these little kids' idea of who Jesus is, they don't know nothing about theology. They don't know anything about exegesis. They don't know anything about A.W. Tozer's the knowledge of the holy or, or the character of God or anything like that. They don't know any of that stuff. They just know Jesus just popped right into their little hearts, and that's where he resides. That's what they know, and they believe it 100%. They don't believe it 85%. They don't believe it. 95%, they don't believe in 99.9%. They believe 100% that Jesus is like just hanging out right inside their little hearts. And they are not ashamed. And you mess with that, you're in big time trouble. Except ye become like these, you shall not enter the kingdom of God. It's kind of troubling because what does that mean? I'm supposed to be a little kid all over and stuff like that? No. You're supposed to have that understanding, that innocence. Even as an adult. Now, adults, you need to know a little bit about exegesis. You need to know a little bit about the theology of God. You need to know a little bit about the character and nature and, and the divine, the divinity of God. You need to know that, 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 that stuff. You should, you, you should just be sitting in the pews. You should be searching the scripture and finding out what the character of God is like. You, that's, that's, your, that's your responsibility and that's your job. And, and we're not just gathering knowledge, even though you are gathering knowledge. It's not the only thing you're doing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all your wisdom, get understanding. That is the fear of the Lord. Knowledge of the holy. Knowledge. Knowledge, 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 knowledge of the holy is understanding. Can't understand him if you don't know him. No ledge. 
those things all work together. We're led by God's spirit for sure. But the, the word of God is always a guarantee. Better than my emotions, better than what I think I might have, heard, might have heard from God, the word of God is all of this. The word of God isn't this little bit. It's all of it. All of it. Their simple faith leads them to dive all the way into the deep end. You think about it. It's important. The early disciples believed into Jesus. And you are diving deep. That's our job. That's our responsibility. Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, didn't tiptoe to Jesus. He was all in. He was 100% done. He was 100% done. He was 100% in. Pastor Ryan always says, go deeper, go deeper, go deeper, go deeper, go deeper. He, he, wants, he, he almost wants to drive you to the jealousy of him because, because he wants you not to be like him. I don't want to be like Ryan. But in following Ryan, you get to be like Jesus. In, in gleaning something off of Pastor Ryan, you get to be somewhere a little bit more like Jesus. In gleaning something off of Papa Greg, be careful. <laughs> but you get to, I, I have this, I have a, some kind of testimony. It's a good one or a bad one. But glean the good, throw the bad away. Jesus has this certain kind of testimony. Clean the good. There's no bad to throw away. It's all good. It's all good. He is who he says he is. You're diving deep. For in him we live and we move and we have our very being. As Paul would say, the poets would write when he was talking to them. But that, that, that idea, that principle, that, that thing of in him we live and breathe and have our very being, that's an Old Testament principle. That's an old, you, you, can, you can find it probably in Deuteronomy. You can find it in Job. You can find it in Isaiah. You can find it in, you can find that principle all through scripture. In him we live and breathe and have our very being. Our very existence is in Christ Jesus. It's in God. That's an Old Testament principle. That, that was good for Adam and Eve. That was good for the last person that's going to ever live. The treasure is inside of Jesus. The treasure is not on the sidewalk. The treasure is not behind me. The treasure is not in Papa Greg. The treasure is not in Ryan, Pastor Ryan. The treasure is in Jesus. Jesus tells you all these parables about the man who found the the thing in the, in the, in the um, where did he find it, on the ground or whatever, and it's a pearl of great price, and he sold everything to go get that little pearl because he knew there was something significant in, that, in the finding of that pearl. It's like, it's like this. You can't wade in the shallow end of a pool and stay there, or you can go to the deep end and dive in. And be completely in. The deep end's gonna give you some real stuff. 
is going to grow you up or kill you. You can stay in the shallow end, get up to here. If you're black, that's where most people stay because we can't swim. <laughs> we can swim, I'm just joking. <laughs> I won't tell that story, that's for sure. <laughs> Somebody said that's good. <laughs> But you know, when you're, in the, when you're in the shallow end of the pool, this temperature is different than this temperature. It's different. Because the sun's hitting you here, and maybe the pool temperature is 65 degrees. I don't know. But the temperature off the sun has probably got to about 80, 90 degrees. I don't know. It's, it's, but the temperatures are different. But when you go into the deep end, the temperature begins to be the same because you're you know, probably covered up to here or wherever you're covered up to. The temperature becomes the same. Jesus always invites us into the deep end. I don't know if anybody gets to walk around and just dive right into the deep end. There are people that find Jesus or Jesus finds them or whichever way you want to put it. And they go right into the deep end. And sometimes that works. But a lot of times that's too much for people to just jump right into Jesus full blown and and things like that, but sometimes that does work, but most times we get in the shallow end and we walk our way to the deeper end as we learn how to, to become more, be more comfortable in the water, right? And it's the same thing with Jesus. We step into the shallow part of Jesus, but as we, as we move on and, and breathe and have our very being, we become more like Jesus. We get, we get deeper into the water. We get deeper into the situation. We get deeper into life. Because that's where Jesus lives. He lives in the deep end. He doesn't live in the shallow end. He might come rescue somebody in the shallow end. But if it's up to him, he's taking you to the deep end. Because that's where life happens. I could sit on the side of the pool and waggle my feet in there. It'd be pretty cool. Make some splashes and stuff like that. That's not the deep end. That's not a challenge. That's very comfortable. Jesus calls us to the deep end, not the shallow end. But we're allowed to get into the shallow end because the shallow end is where we first begin. We, we start into the shallow end to get to the deep end. We grow in Christ is what I'm trying to say. It's like eat his flesh. And drink his blood. What? That's like, that's way over the top of most of our heads. It's like, that doesn't even make sense. Eat somebody's flesh and drink their blood. But that's kind of like what he's saying. He's like, you're all in. Be all in. Take all the meat that you can handle. You don't have to take it all at once, but take it. And, and just, we constantly are being built into a temple. It, it's not, boom, there it is. The building's built. No. Is brick upon brick, line upon line. All of these things happen so that we can be more like Christ. This one, this one, be kind of sketchy. I don't know. But most of you know that I became engaged. Now you know. Recently, to Catherine, a beautiful woman. <laughs> she like. 
Yay for me. I'm blessed. Sometimes people have come up to me and say, have said, is Catherine a believer? It's like, bite your tongue, count to ten, and turn around and walk away. <laughs> the reason why I bring this up is because they didn't know me. And they've known me for, they've seen me for decades. But they didn't know me. Because people didn't know me, that, that question never comes up. What am I going to bring a floozy in here or something? <laughs> I'm serious. Who am I going to bring up in here? They didn't know me. I'm going to... That, that's how I felt like. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. I'm, 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 I bring that up to, be, to say, do you know Jesus in a way where he's, he's like, come on into the deep. 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 It's scary. But we're, we're, the person that's asking us to come on into the deep walked on water. So it's, you're safe. Peter sunk, but he grabbed his hand. Took him. Peter probably walked the rest of the way with him. I don't think Jesus picked him up and carried him to the boat. <laughs> probably walked in the water and went back to the boat with him. Going to the deep. Going to the deep. When a little person or a little child asks Jesus into their lives, they're all in. I bring it up, just bring it up again. They're all in. We're supposed to be all in. I'll even step out and say Bartimaeus believed into Jesus. He, he had heard all the reports about Jesus. And when Jesus went by, he believed into Jesus. Son of David. John 3.16 probably is a Bartimaeus scripture. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him, into him, will not perish. The into word is kind of missing. I was doing some little bit of research on it because they didn't know how to translate that properly. So they just said believe in Jesus. But the disciples believed into Jesus. They went, they went deep into Jesus. I think the sad thing again about asking Jesus and listening to somebody sitting next to you saying, Jesus, do something in my life. Do something. Touch me. And you sit there like, I don't want anybody to know that I got an issue. I don't want anybody to know I got a problem. I'm just going to go ahead and continue to suffer for the next 50 years because I don't want anybody to know that I've got an issue. Yeah, you do. You do. You, your, your heart is crying out. Tell somebody. Tell Jesus. So I must tell Jesus all of my troubles. You know. Tell him. He's here to listen. He's here to hear. He's here to move. He's here to heal. He's here to bless. He's here to take us through troubled waters. He's not trying to skirt any issues. The stakes are too high. He, he wants to take us through Psalms 23. You know, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Because Jesus got my hand. That's what he's talking about. Don't be afraid. 
fear is horrible. The Bible says perfect love casts out fear, right? Well, what does perfect fear do? What is, if you perfect fear, what does it do? It's going to cast out all the love you've been given. It, 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 it just doesn't work. Don't fear. You don't have anything. There's no reason to fear. There's no reason to, to try to hide. Because God sees and God hears. He's just waiting for somebody to say, Son of Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Mercy. Mercy is so key. He didn't say, Son of David, heal me. He said, Son of David, have mercy on me. Because mercy is the heart of God. And this blind Bartimaeus recognized what he needed to say. I think he could have been a firstborn son of Timaeus. And if he was, he knew the scriptures. He knew what the Old Testament taught because he had to know it, just like Jesus had to know it as the first child. As the first male of any Jewish family, they had to know the Torah, the Pentateuch. They had to know it. They had to memorize a lot of it, but he had to know it all. And so he understood. He, could, he read between the lines. He understood that there's something special about this guy named Jesus. Yeshua, Joshua, Yeshua. God is our salvation. He understood that. There's salvation walking past me right now. Better do something with it. I better grab on the salvation and do something. I'm not talking about you not being saved. That, that issue is done with. You gave your hearts to Jesus. If you didn't give your hearts to Jesus, don't walk out of this place without giving your heart to Jesus. Because that's a scary thought. Because that's a scary thought. He knew what he was doing. Bartimaeus knew what he was doing. And he said, I'm not going to let this pass by. Before I was a believer, these two guys came through my, the place where I lived, the place where I worked, and um, they were sharing the gospel. And I, the second time the second person came through, I goes, nobody's answered the first call. God is coming through here looking for somebody. I'm all in. I said, take me. I'm tired as life. I'm living. Take me. Take me, Jesus. You know, and Jesus took Greg. Jesus took Greg in 1975, 1976. Jesus took Greg and dropped him in this place right here where I'm standing. Because I said, I don't care what anybody else says. I am done. I have had enough. Take me, Jesus. That's all. All you got to do is open your mouth wide and he'll fill it. Open up your mouth wide and he will fill it. And he won't condemn you. He won't say, stand up, let everybody see what a disaster you are. He won't do that. He just won't do that. I don't know if anybody can say, Jesus stood me up and said, look at this loser. You don't, that's, not, that's not the spirit of God. That's just not Jesus. Something, just one last thing. I have Pastor Ryan and these guys come up. Jesus probably went to temple every chance he had an opportunity to go to Jerusalem. 
In three years, he probably went there quite a few times. In the third chapter of Acts, I believe it is, Peter and John are walking to the temple, and there's a guy sitting here, right? Can't walk. Jesus walked past that guy for how many years? He just walked right past him. Jesus? What? You talking about Jesus? Jesus walked past somebody and didn't heal him? Because the Bible says Jesus healed all kinds of people. Can't even put out many. Jesus did all kinds of miraculous things. He walked right past this guy. Why did he do that? Because the dude didn't open up his mouth. <laughs> Give me a penny. Maybe Jesus was flipping him a penny while he was walking by. If he'd have said, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus would have stopped. I know Jesus would have stopped. He would not have ignored him. He would have stopped and raised that dude up so he could do jumping and leaping and praising God and just doing his thing. And everybody look at me. But the key is, open up your mouth and ask for God's mercy because it's there and it's in abundance. It's not something, it's, it's not like you got a gallon of mercy. God's got a gallon of mercy, and when the gallon runs out, he's done. It's a bottomless pit. Or pits, maybe not the right word, but it's bottomless. You can, you can ask for mercy all day long, and Jesus will give it all day long. So I, I, I believe that the point is what part of the crowd are you? Where you where you living at? Sometime, hopefully today, tomorrow, sometime during the week, when you get in your situation where you need help, start yelling. Son of David, have mercy on me. That is your faith. Recognizing who this king is, who this God is. did good. We have five minutes left. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> be yourself. I think that's the other thing. Be, your, be who you, you be you. Don't be anybody else. You be you. And let God cause the growth in who you are. Pastor, I asked Pastor Ryan if he would come in and close this out for me. Good word. Thank you, Greg. So good. Now, as we're going to close with one last song, as we always do, just uh, just help. I couldn't help but just give an opportunity, as, as Pastor Greg was saying all that, Jesus just keeps giving opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And, and maybe there's someone in this room that just needs to hear the opportunity that you can give your life to Jesus, that, that you, need, you need help. You need your life changed. You heard that testimony of Malachi, a little five-year-old, completely different at eight years old because God did something to him. You heard the testimony of Greg, 1975-76. He's a different man than he is today. His whole life is completely different because he finally said, I just need help. <laughs> David, son of David, Jesus, come help me. And I, I don't necessarily want to Singing out, make you look bad, but I, I feel like we just have to keep asking. Maybe we ask every Sunday. I know there's some churches, they just do it no matter what. It's kind of rote. 
Anyone need Jesus? I, I'm not against that, but I just want to be led by the Spirit. And the message this morning was that we all need Jesus, right? Pastor Greg said that. Raise your hand if you don't need him, right? None of us raise, like we all need something. We all need something from Jesus. So we all fit in that category. But some of us need him to be the Lord of our lives, to come in and bring in his life. And so if that's you, I'll just give an opportunity. Do you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life? If that's you, just raise your hand, be bold. We read a story about Bartimaeus. He, didn't, he wasn't afraid. Praise God. You're here today because God loves you so much that the message today was for you. You are that special. He loves you that much that he said, I don't care what anyone else gets. He wants you to hear the truth that he is your savior, that he loves you. So we're, I'm just going to get an opportunity. We're all going to say a prayer and, and join you. Can, is it bad? I don't know if I'm allowed to do this. I'll have to ask the pastor if this is okay. Um, can we just have your name? What, can someone relate to me? Karina? Karina. We, whether we see you again or not, we are for you. You are bold enough to be like that story and say, I need, I need Jesus in my life. And so we are going to join you in a prayer. I'm just going to invite you. As he just said, it's a simple prayer. Five-year-olds say this prayer. It's nothing special, unique. It's just asking Jesus to be the Lord of your life and to come in. So I just need help. And that's, so we're all gonna say this prayer. You guys can all repeat after me and just join her in saying this prayer. So let's, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Jesus, we need you. Jesus, I need you. I need you to save me. Making life on my own in my own strength, in my own wisdom, leads to destruction. But you have the words of life. So I come to you. And I offer you my life of sin. And I ask for your forgiveness. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Purify me. Make me white as snow. I am yours. I am yours. You're my master. You are my master. Whatever you say, Whatever you say I, will do. I will do. You're my father. I'm your child. I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, I'd love to come talk to you. I got a Bible for you, whatever else you want. I just want to help you out. We are a church family that's for you. We'll be praying for you. And as we sing this last song, you can go ahead and stand. I would encourage you, as pa Papa Greg, Pastor Greg said, tell God your needs and don't forget to thank him when he answers, right? This whole season of Thanksgiving, that's in Philippians. We are to tell God our needs all day long. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't grow weary. He gives strength to the weary. So as we just tell him, we, I, can I tell you, Greg, I said that this morning as I was driving from my house, driving down the hill to the freeway. I just recognized, God, I, I need help in this area of my life. I'm not great at this, and I need to become great at this. And I, I know that sometimes God can just wave a wand and poof, and you're great at it. But I know often, more often than not in my life, He actually brings opportunities for me to grow in that area. And I knew that, and I said it anyways, God... Just bring the opportunities for me to grow in it, which means it's going to be hard. It's going to be a road of difficulty. But I just said this morning, yeah, I'm up for it, God. With your grace, I know I can grow in this. On my own, I can't, 
but I'm asking for your mercy. I'm asking for your grace to mature me and grow me and cause me to do something I can't do currently on my own. And it was just a simple prayer, but it goes right along with what you're saying, Greg. I, I need to grow up. I think that's all of us in this room. We need to let go of bitterness. We need to grow in forgiveness. We need to grow in these things. So I don't know what song we're singing, but I encourage you, just be real before the Lord. Tell God your needs and thank Him for all the answers He's already done, but thank Him in advance that He's going to meet our needs. Amen? So let's sing the song. And you know what? As we sing this song, if you need something, I'm going to have some leaders up front because sometimes you need to open up your mouth and say, I need mercy. I need Dave. I need Son of David to come to my life. So if you need prayer for anything, we'll have some leaders up front and we'll just pray for you. All right? Does that make sense? So let's worship and come forward for prayer. Lord, I call. Oh. 